Welcome to About Scripture, a podcast designed to take the listener deeper into Scripture and biblical thought. And now, welcome to the podcast. In Genesis 42, after 20 years, Joseph encounters his brothers again, or 10 of them at least, the 10 brothers older than he is. They have come to Egypt to buy grain, which is in plentiful supply in Egypt due to the forethought of Joseph, or more probably due to his divinely appointed wisdom to store up grain during seven years of abundant harvests to prepare against the famine that would follow, as God had revealed to Pharaoh in a couple of dreams. The family of Jacob back in Canaan has run out of food, along with most of the world, but they have heard that Egypt is selling grain. Genesis 42.6 says, And Joseph's brothers came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. And thus they fulfilled the long-forgotten dreams that teenage Joseph had reported to his family. Well, I assume that the brothers had forgotten those dreams by now, but Joseph still remembers, as verse 9 shows us. The brothers do not recognize Joseph, who they think died some time ago after they sold him into slavery. In their minds, they were standing before an Egyptian, an Egyptian man named Zaphonath Panea, one of the most powerful men in Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. But Joseph recognizes them. Is this the moment when he reveals himself and reconciles with them? Or perhaps he's upset by the way they treated him two decades earlier and how they had laughed at his dreams and maybe now he wants to rub their faces in his great success. He does neither, but keeps his identity concealed. He continues to be Zaphonoth Panea. Indeed, as verse 7 says, he treated them like strangers and spoke harshly to them. The first thing he says to them is the question, where do you come from? That's in verse 7. Upon receiving the answer from the land of Canaan to buy food, he immediately accuses them of being foreign intelligence officers. You are spies. You have come to see the nakedness of the land, verse 9 says. They protest their innocence in verse 11, but Joseph makes his accusation a second time in verse 12. They explain further that they are all brothers. They've got a younger brother at home with their father, and one of their brothers is dead, verse 13. A third time, Joseph declares them to be spies, but he now proposes to test their story. He tells them in verse 15, bring your younger brother to Egypt. 
He says that he will confine nine of the brothers in Egypt and allow one to return to Canaan to fetch the youngest brother. He then locks up all ten for three days. What he ends up doing is keeping Simeon and releasing the other nine, telling them to bring your youngest brother to me, verse 20 says. Thus your words will be verified and you shall not die. He allows them all to buy grain, but he secretly has their money returned to their sacks. Once the nine brothers back in Canaan convince their father Jacob that they will all starve to death if he does not allow them to take Benjamin with them to Egypt, that's the first half of chapter 43, the brothers, now ten again with Benjamin, return to Egypt. Joseph hosts them all for a banquet and reunites them with Simeon. At the banquet, Joseph, still playing the part of Zaphonath-Paneah, the Egyptian lord, ate by himself, chapter 43, verse 32 says. The brothers were all seated in birth order at this banquet, to their great surprise, and Benjamin was given five times more than the others. At this point, the brothers have fulfilled Joseph's demand and have proven that they are not, in fact, spies. He sends them away with grain again, secretly returning their money in their sacks, and this time also sneaking his own silver cup into Benjamin's sack. That's at the beginning of chapter 44. The steward, who had done all this sneaking about, gave the brothers a head start to Canaan before overtaking them and accusing them of stealing the silver cup, the very silver cup that he himself had put into the sack. The situation results in all the brothers returning to Egypt to try to figure out their next move. Now, the way Joseph treats his brothers in chapters 42 to 45 of Genesis is a little confusing. I, my guess is that the ambiguity is intended by the narrator to prompt us as readers to wonder about Joseph's motives. Why is he doing this? One popular interpretation is that Joseph is ready to forgive and forget, but he needs to prepare his brothers for reconciliation, and he wants to test them to see if they're ready. I remember a buddy of mine several years ago declaring, I don't think Joseph has a vindictive bone in his body. I've seen English Bibles that provide headings to guide readers toward this view, for instance, one English Bible I've seen gives this heading to Genesis 44, Joseph's Final Test. This is a venerable interpretation of Joseph's motives. Already Josephus, the first century Jewish historian, explained why Joseph had hidden his silver cup in, Joseph's, in, in Benjamin's sack. This is what Josephus says, which things he did, that's Joseph did, in order to make trial of his brothers, 
whether they would stand by Benjamin when he should be accused of having stolen the cup and should appear to be in danger, or whether they would leave him and, depending on their own innocence, go to their father without him. In the modern period, my impression is that this interpretation of Joseph, that he's testing his brothers, is the most common one you'll encounter in church circles. It is maybe less prominent among scholars, but it is not unheard of there. Walter Moberly argues for this interpretation, and like everything Moberly writes, it is well-argued and provocative. I myself don't mind so much disagreeing with Josephus, but I do think twice about disagreeing with Moberly. And yet, I disagree. Or, let us say, I prefer another approach to the text. I've already said that the story is ambiguous in regard to Joseph's motivation, so it is probably it is probably worthwhile for us to think through both strands of interpretation and see if they make sense in terms of the text of Genesis and in terms of human nature. To my mind, it is that latter point, human nature, where the positive view of Joseph comes up short. The reason I don't like that interpretation is mostly because Joseph comes off as a choir boy without normal human emotions like anger and hatred toward people that he trusted who ended up abusing him in the most despicable manner. In my view, this section of Genesis is not about Joseph preparing his brothers for reconciliation, but about God preparing Joseph for reconciliation. How does Joseph feel about his brothers when they walk in the palace? Looks to me like he's still angry and resentful, basically like he hates them. He accuses them of being spies twice before they defend themselves, and then he does it a third time, of course. Maybe in that moment, in that rush of emotion, upon first seeing those people who had tried to kill him, he was really moving toward having them executed. You know, that would be the obvious punishment. Some spies come into the land. I mean, all it takes is a word from the second in command, from the guy that has the signet ring. All he has to do is say, these guys are spies. Take them away and be executed. In that rush of emotion upon first seeing them, maybe that is what the first idea that pops in. They had wanted to kill him. Now they are at his mercy, and he's going to do to them what they had tried to do to him. But then they said something that shifted his thoughts toward a less grisly outcome. They mentioned Benjamin. They said in verse 13, We, your servants, were twelve brothers 
the sons of one man in the land of Canaan, the youngest. There it is. The youngest is now with our father, and one is no longer living. The youngest is now with our father, Benjamin. Yes, of course. Perhaps it had already occurred to Joseph that Benjamin wasn't present among them. Surely it had. Only ten brothers came to buy bread. Where was Benjamin? Had they killed him too? Was he still alive? He's still alive. Still with Jacob. Benjamin was Joseph's full blood brother, his only younger brother, the only one of the brothers that had not plotted to do away with Joseph. He would like to see Benjamin again. He would like to rescue Benjamin, deliver him from hunger, and live with him in the Egyptian palace, provide opportunities he's never dreamed of, and get him out of the reach of these conniving, evil brothers. When the brothers mention Benjamin, Joseph's thoughts turn from vengeance toward his little brother. All of his motives over the next few chapters, I think, are calculated not to try to reconcile with his brothers or redeem his brothers or build a relationship with them or to test to see if they've changed. Look, I think you can read these chapters and think Joseph doesn't care one iota whether his brothers have changed or not. He knows what his brothers, he knows enough about them and doesn't want to be with them at all. What he wants is Benjamin. And the brothers are the key to getting Benjamin to Egypt. He doesn't care about those 10 other brothers, older brothers that tried to kill him. They are a means to an end. And the end is seeing Benjamin again. Not only seeing him, but arranging matters so that he can live with Benjamin and get rid of these brothers. He goes ahead and tells them that he wants their youngest brother to come to Egypt already in that first meeting, chapter 42, verse 15. But he needs to formulate a plan. How's he going to get Benjamin there? He needs to formulate a plan. So, verse, chapter 42, verse 17, so Joseph imprisoned them together for three days. It'll give him time to think. By the end of the three days, Joseph's initial shock at seeing his brothers and his intense anger at them had calmed down somewhat, enough for him to think more rationally about how to achieve his aims. He needs to keep a brother in order to guarantee they'll all come back. This plot actually ends up failing. He, he does end up keeping Simeon, as I said earlier, but it doesn't actually guarantee that they'll all come back because... Jacob just writes off Simeon. If you read chapter 43, Jacob just completely writes off Simeon. Oh, he's already dead. He's a goner. Nope. No way we're any, going back to Egypt anymore. In the negotiations between the sons and Jacob that happens in chapter 43, when the sons, the brothers, they're trying to convince their father, Jacob, we've got to go back to Egypt. It's the only place that has any food. 
Simeon is never mentioned in those negotiations. Nobody says, we got to go back to get Simeon. No, he's already written off. He's dead. Um, And so the imprisonment of Simeon ends up not being a good way to guarantee the return of the brothers, but Joseph also needs to send the rest of the brothers back. He had initially planned to keep nine of them and send just one back, but I think he ends up thinking, I need to send nine back and keep just one uh, so that Jacob won't fear so much letting Benjamin out of his sight. Another miscalculation on the part of Joseph, as it turns out. Jacob is absolutely terrified of letting Benjamin out of his sight. Joseph hates his brothers, I think. He probably thinks they have completely forgotten about him. They got what they wanted. They got rid of Joseph, their father's favorite, and since then they haven't thought about him at all. They probably haven't given a second thought to the brother they sold into slavery. And then Joseph overhears his brothers talking. This is after the three days of imprisonment. We're still in chapter 42. The brothers are talking. What language are they talking? I don't know. Some Canaanite language, apparently, not Egyptian. And they don't realize that Zaphonoth Panea can understand whatever language they're talking to each other. And so they say in chapter 42, verse 21, obviously we are being punished for what we did to our brother. We saw his deep distress when he pleaded with us, but we would not listen. That is why this trouble has come to us. They haven't forgotten. They haven't looked back with fondness on that moment of selling Joseph. If that's what Joseph was thinking, I can imagine that's what he was thinking. He realizes now that that's actually not right. In fact, they have felt guilty about that moment for 20 years now. So that every bad thing that happens to them, they think is punishment from God for that horrible deed that they can't get out of their mind and they can't wash off of their soul. And this is the first time in response to that that we read in the text in verse 24, Joseph wept. And we'll read that several more times, chapter 43, verse 30, chapter 45, verse 2, chapter... 45 verse 14, Joseph wept. And it seems to me that one fruitful way of looking at what is going on in Joseph's mind in chapters 42 to 45 is, like I say, this hatred, anger, resentment toward these people who had tried to kill him. He wants to figure out a way to get the younger brother, Benjamin, to live with him in Egypt for the rest of his life and 
get rid of the other brothers so that he doesn't have to deal with them at all. And it's moments like this in chapter 42, verse 17, when he realizes that those brothers have been thinking about Joseph. They haven't forgotten about Joseph. They regret with everything in them what they did to their brother on that day 20 years earlier. It's moments like that that break through the armor that Joseph has built over his heart over those decades. And obviously he weeps as a result of it and softens his approach just a little bit. But I think he tries to still follow through his plan Keep Benjamin, get rid of everybody else. That's the point of the silver cup, after all. right? You read in chapter 44, the point of the silver cup is the one who has the silver cup, he's going to be my slave. Everyone else, get out of here. The problem is, the brothers have actually changed over the past 20 years. The problem is, the brothers do not give up on Benjamin, And if Benjamin is going back to Egypt, we're not going to abandon him. We're all going back to Egypt. And once again, it's a miscalculation on the part of Joseph. He had assumed that the brothers would like nothing more than to get rid of Benjamin and head back to Canaan without him and abandon the one who had stolen the silver cup. And that's not the way they react. They all go back to Egypt with Benjamin. And I can just imagine the look on Joseph's face when he sees the 10 of them, or the 11, I guess, the 11 of them, and not just Benjamin, like, ugh, I still haven't gotten rid of these guys. And it's at that point that the most unexpected character makes a speech that changes everything and does, in fact, lead to the reconciliation of Joseph with his brothers through this process of God preparing Joseph for that moment. The brothers were ready for it from the very beginning. Joseph wasn't ready for it until chapter 45. But we'll talk about that next time.